You're listening to the Casting for Fun podcast, the show that talks about entertainment, sports, music, and inspirational stories for all to enjoy. We're glad you could join us today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. Welcome, everybody, to the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda. And for this week's episode, I'm going to be having a conversation with my buddy, Joe Nabrowski. I'm very excited to get to chat with Joe. Uh, Joe, I met Joe many years ago, 20 years ago, in fact, uh, when we were training to become missionaries uh, at the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah, for our church, uh, getting ready to serve missions in the country of Brazil. And we had a really cool uh, group of friends at the time that we were together learning to uh, do missionary work. And, you know, it was a short amount of time that we were together in the MTC, but we developed really cool friendships and it was really cool experiences with those uh, nine other uh, guys besides myself. And uh, I've done my best to try and keep in touch with those guys. I mean, I can probably do better. And that's what I love the podcast for. It gives me an excuse to reach out to friends and reconnect with them. So Joe and I have a great conversation about uh, missionary life, our time in the MTC, uh, what he's been doing post-mission life with his family and meeting his wife. And uh, Joe was a busy guy, unfortunately. So we didn't get as much time as I would have liked to, to sit down and talk. So we'll definitely sit down in the future to do another episode uh, talking about his career, particular uh, global leader group and all the busy work he's doing, helping to mold and find great leaders for, for companies. It sounds like really fascinating, really great stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting to chat with Joe about that. But in the meantime, we do have, again, a great conversation with just uh, uh, reminiscing about our time together at the MTC and uh, what he's been up to since then. Okay, so here is my the first part of my conversation with Joe Nabrowski. Joining me now on the Casting for Fun podcast is my very good friend who I haven't seen in 20 plus years, Joe Nabrowski. Joe, how are you? Oh, so good. It's been too long. I know we always say that, but if, if you can get into the double decades, we probably should have connected sooner. So this is this is timely. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for modern technology that allows us to do this because again, everyone's busy uh, post-mission life. It's it just, it's tough. It's really tough. So, uh, so Joe and I uh, met each other at the, the Provo Missionary Tra- Training Center for uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the church that we attend, uh, because we were both called to serve as missionaries serving in the country of Brazil at a, the exact same time, which was really, really cool. Uh, but how it worked was that they put us in a group of 10. And again, just for me explaining for the listeners who may not understand, but (laughs) they put us in a group of 10. Uh, Half of us were assigned to serve in Sao Paulo and Talagos, which is where I went. Joe and the other half, they went to Manaus, which is deep into the the rainforest, like really close to the equator part of Brazil. So (laughs) uh, I I, Amazon jungle, Amazon rainforest. And when I tell them that they're like, are you are you joking? It's like, no, I really for two years. I walked and had the most amazing experience with the, the wonderful people of, of the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. So I wanted to take this opportunity just to reconnect. I mean, we had such a really close friendship with the, the 10 of us back then. It was a really inspiring time, I think, for all of us. Uh, so I very much would love to just take this time to reconnect and uh, uh, catch up on everything that's happened post-mission life and also hear about some of your experiences as well for this first interview. The second interview, I very much would love to type, uh, dive into your, uh, your career with uh, the Global Leader Group, which sounds really fascinating to me. Super excited. Let's do it. I'm an open book for all the listeners. So you're going to hear awesome. more than you probably want. 
<laughs> okay, sounds good. Okay, so to start out, Joe. So I mean, again, I I knew everybody very well, and we would often talk about where we were where we were from, and obviously I knew that you were from uh, Franklin, Tennessee. But uh, my understanding was that you grew up in a couple of different areas before that, right? So if you could uh, explain what your early teenage and uh, early uh, life was like. You bet. I'm kind of like a nomad. So when I tell people I'm from Tennessee, I feel like all the Tennesseans would be like, you can't claim us. You don't have our awesome accent. And, and that's true. And the reason why I grew up in California, I was born there in the Orange County, right by Disneyland. In fact, my mom worked at Disneyland. Um, and then when I was 12, my dad took another job. Now they had the same job. He had the same job and company for like 20 plus years. But then when I was 12, every year or two for the next several years, we would move. And so I moved to Arizona and then to Colorado and then ended up my sophomore year in Franklin, Tennessee, and, and absolutely fell in love with Tennessee to the point where after I graduated from college, my wife and I actually moved back to Tennessee to start a small company. Awesome. Very good. Very good. So uh, lead me into your experience at the MTC. And I, I guess before that, uh, when you actually received your, your call from the church that you would actually be serving in Brazil, what was that like, that experience for you? Yeah, so it first came, if you think of some of my childhood. So as a teenager, I was one of the only members of my faith at my high school. Uh, there, was a, there was a handful of us. And so I was pretty used to kind of hearing what other people would say about, about what we believe. And, and so at an early age, I really started studying saying, is this really what I believe for myself? You know, is this something that I can stand behind? And I was different. I had different values. I had different things that I would do. Um, I remember even just some of the, the small things of like, I'd be at with hanging out with my friends and they would have a, an R-rated movie on and I would come in and they would say, oh, everyone, Joe's here. We got to turn it off, put it on the PG, like little stuff like that. But they embraced it. And here they are not in my faith, but they were so awesome mm -hmm. at supporting me. So from an early age, I, I really grew tight to, to the gospel and the fundamentals of what I believe. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a, a camp called, especially for youth. And this was the first time where I was surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of other people that believe similarly. And it was the most incredible week of my life because it, it was so fun to be around people that had similar beliefs. And so that's when I decided I wanted to actually be a counselor there and do that. So I was a counselor for a few years. And then that's when I decided this message is too good not to share. And so uh, it was a scary decision, but I decided, you know, I want to spend two years. I took off after a year of school and said, I want to go and, and, and learn more about what I believe and, and try to help some other different people. And so when I put in my papers to, to say, I want to go serve a mission, I was excited. It, it was a thrilling time because I had seen it change the life of not only myself, but because of that AFY counselor, I, every week I would have 10 to 20 lives changed. Um, and it was an incredible time to be able to see that. And then when I saw Manaus, I had no idea where it was. And when you hear Amazon jungle, I'm thinking, you know what, a bunch of Aborigines, um, are they going to be like hunting me with arrows? Uh, luckily, it wasn't like that. They're actually completely normal people. Of course, you do have in the jungle a, a few more. Um, it was a, a very different lifestyle from, you know, having carpet to where for two years, I didn't come across carpet. I didn't come across a hot shower. Um, so you, you learn a lot of different things from those people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, going back to uh, our time together in the MTC. So the, the 10 of us are assigned to be in what's called a, um, a district. So and, and you were actually called to be our district leader, which was, uh, I think, very fitting for, for our group. I mean, Joe, you would probably just like deny it, not even really talk very about nice. it, but you were really like our de facto leader. 
In fact, I think a lot of us really looked up to you for, for leadership and guidance and almost like you were like an older brother to us, which was- really Wow, well, thank you. That means a lot, Albert. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we definitely had some growing times together, some, some fun times, some kind of maybe uh, wacky kind of crazy times. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if you remember the time when uh, some other missionaries had pulled a little prank on us and put signs on the door saying that the, the mattresses needed to be washed. Yeah. And then we we didn't know it was a prank. So we obviously the mattresses are kind of older and have like some urine stains on them. But uh, we had a little bit of a Royal Rumble on them, not knowing that it was a prank and they weren't actually going to wash our mattresses. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. I still have actually an experience that I think about often. In fact, I was just talking to my wife about it. Uh, can I can I share another one real quick? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Of course. So in the in the missionary training center, letters are amazing because you're you're kind of in this bubble. And so to be able to receive a letter from family or friends, it's a huge opportunity. So every single day for the first maybe two or three weeks, we would go to the, the mailbox and you know, what letters are coming, who are we going to hear from? And I hadn't really received many letters um, at this time for whatever reason. I, I they, they came later. And especially I hadn't received any letters from kind of friends and especially girls. Mm -hmm. And so it was one thing where we kind of started joking. I'd be like, okay, today's the letter I'm going to get. And I would name a girl that I, I had a crush on before the mission or something else. And um, of course, as a missionary, you're still focused, but you're having fun a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. so finally, um, the day came where there was a huge package and it happened to be from this girl that I said, okay, today she's going to email me. She's going to write today. And, and so finally, seven days later, this huge package comes. I'm so excited. I grab it. We take it back to our dorms. And it was a little bit weird because people started, my, my other companions started taking pictures. And I'm like, well, maybe they're just really proud of, of the fact that she finally, not only had a letter, but she sent a package. And I open it up and there's candy and brownies. In fact, Albert, I remember he reaches his hand into this box and he's like, oh, wait, that's mine. <laughs> And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean that's yours? So he grabs it. And then I get to the very bottom of the, the box. And there's a letter that says, dear Joe, did you really think she'd write? Oh, and, no. <laughs> what it was, and, and now I can look back with a smile on my face. But what it was, is my, my companions had decided, you know what, we're going to pull a prank. So they got a box. They actually put her name on it, her real address. And then she put all, they put all the goodies from Albert and other people that actually had friends that had sent uh, packages. Um, so that was kind of one of my, my favorite slash not favorite memories. And in fact, Albert, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but to get my revenge, I had my brother send me brownies with chocolate laxatives and oh. I willingly <laughs> gave them to all of you for, for that wonderful experience. <laughs> that does sound familiar. I think I remember hearing about that after the fact. <laughs> uh, well, and, and just kind of a part two of that story. So then I, you know, come back on my mission. I marry my wife. We're out on our honeymoon in Florida. And we're getting ready to board a cruise. And as we walk onto the ship, guess who we see? None other than that girl. And oh, so really? It was oh. Kind of funny that. And my wife had known the story too, so she was like, "Interesting. Okay, this is going to be a fun, uh, a, a fun um, honeymoon." So just a uh, all circle. Oh yeah, awesome. That's really cool. Really cool. Uh, and also just to, to clarify for the listeners, I mean, Joel and I have been talking about like the fun and games that were going on in the MTC and there were plenty of them for sure. But there is one kind of a, a spiritual, really cool story that I wanted to share. Uh, it was just the 10 of us. Our, our teacher wasn't there and uh, 
I don't know if you remember this, Joe. I, I, I can't remember if it was your idea or maybe it was Jeremy's, but we, we just sat together, all 10 of us, and we all took turns uh, telling each uh, missionary there uh, what we liked about them, respected about them, just almost kind of like uh, uplifting, inspiring, encouraging things. And it was a really uh, tremendous for me to have that experience happen. Uh, all of us, you know, had our own problems that we had to deal with. Um, uh, Matt, I, I didn't want I didn't want to share this about his approval, but I mean, there's a really uh, inspiring story with Matt, a very special story with him when he was going, some of the things he was going through. Uh, for me personally, being from Southern California, I, I couldn't stand the snow. I mean, the snow was scary for me. So everyone had their, as a missionary, like, I guess, moments where it was just really difficult and hard. And to have that moment when uh, nine of my good friends were just uh, showering me with praise, giving me uh, the emotional and uh, support to, to help me continue on as a missionary was really inspiring and great for me. I remember that to this day. In fact, I've done that similar activity several times since and because it had such a profound effect on me. Because mm -hmm. when you hear other people, and, and here's the deal, we were all, you know, 19, 20 year old boys yeah. that are, are away from family and, and kind of going through this huge transition. And so to have other people that are, are getting down to the level of sharing what they really value about you, what they appreciated, mm -hmm. some of your strengths, it was so touching. Um, it was really one of the, the highlights of honestly my mission because it was so impactful to, to see that and to feel it and, and to feel that love and brotherhood after just a, a matter of a, a month or two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were there any other experiences that you wanted to share about uh, Manaus or, or the MTC? Uh, sure. I'll share one more about the MTC. I think okay. one of my favorite experiences where we would open up the Book of Mormon, which we believe is, is additional scripture, mm -hmm. and we would just go around reading it. And I think that was one of the first times in my life where it was so powerful. Like it was a, as if you could feel in the room, a tangible uh, spirit of feeling of this stuff is true. And it was the most enlightening wonderful feeling and so repeatedly i remember those those times where we would just open up and read as being some of the best experiences that i had had as far as as feeling that what the the spirit felt like and feeling what what it feels like to have truth kind of confirmed to my soul so those are our precious memories oh absolutely yeah very much so very much so so with uh, the conclusion of a uh, missionary service, we all re return home to our respective homes. And I'm curious to hear the story of how you met and married your wife, Brittany. Uh, again, I, I subscribe to your, your wife's, uh, yours and your wife's uh, YouTube channel, The Pillow Talk, which I find really hilarious and really <laughs> awesome and fun. So uh, any, any content like that, YouTube channels, podcasts, I, I love this quite a bit. So anytime like my friends are doing stuff like that, you can guarantee that I will subscribe, listen, uh, read it. So I'm curious to find out how it came about that you met Brittany. Uh, did you know her before? And what, what's your, your story, basically? Yeah, you bet. And by the way, on that YouTube channel, we had tens and tens of followers. So it got really big. No. <laughs> so so how I met Brittany. So we were both at school uh, at the university. And the very first time that I met her, uh, I heard some commotion. So I was in the hallway and, and in the gym, I heard something happening. And I thought, well, what is going on in there? So I walk in there and what it was is the cheerleaders were kind of doing their thing and, and practicing. And I remember seeing, and I didn't know her name. I didn't know her at the time, but I remember seeing her and just being blown away. Um, not only by her, she was of course gorgeous, but there was a light about there. There was something that, that was such a, an attractive thing of this is the type of, of person I want to be around. And I even commented to my, my friend, but I was pretty shy. And so 
even though I thought she was amazing, I never had the guts to go up and just be like, Hey, I'm Joe. How do you, you know? And so, so for several weeks, I didn't say anything to her. I never saw her again. Well, it passed time passed. And I had one of my buddies that came up to me and he said, Hey, Joe, there's a girl, she's one of the cheerleaders and, and she really would be okay if you asked her out. And for me, I was never afraid of somebody turning me down. I'm completely fine if they say, hey, no thanks, I'm not interested. What I didn't want to have is them to say yes and then go back to their friends and be like, oh, I have to go out with Joe tonight. Or So I, I, I once I got the green light, it was like, okay, I'm all in, let's do this. And he gave me her name. And so for the next several days, I was on a quest to find out. I didn't know um, Brittany at the time, that's my wife's name. I didn't know who she was or anything like that. I just had seen her that very first time. And so I'm going around the school trying to find this cheerleader. And, and several days later, I still couldn't find her. Well, it turns out he had the wrong name. And so finally, I was in the hallway. And now this is a huge school. This is 30,000 students. I'm in the hallway and I see this, this friend walk up to me and I say, hey, you know, Jared, can you, you, know, you gave me the name of that cheerleader that I can ask out, but I can't find her. Can you just give me her number or, or another way to contact her? So he gets on the phone. Now, Jared's the type of guy, and if he's listening, great guy, but he's the type of guy that I thought could potentially try to embarrass me. And so I was afraid he'd like get on the phone and then like hand it over to me. And I wasn't quite ready to talk yet. I just wanted her number to, to prepare for, for that conversation. So I kind of went behind a glass wall so that he couldn't pass the phone to me. So he's on the phone and all of a sudden he just starts laughing hysterically. And I'm behind this glass wall and I'm looking at him like, what's going on? All of a sudden, I kid you not, in walks down Brittany. So they were 30,000 students. She could have been anywhere. She happened to be in that same exact hallway walking down while he was calling her. So she laughs. Now she gets down to the point where she's with Jared, my friend, and she looks at me behind this glass wall, kind of hiding. And she says, is that Joe hiding behind there? Now you got to realize never talked to this girl before, don't even really know her name. And here she is saying, you know, is he hiding behind the wall? So it's the most awkward moment. And now that I talked to her, she said it was awkward for her too. Cause she's like, I had to admit that I knew your name. And so it was awkward for her that she said, you know, Joe. And so she was trying to, to uncover or make it less awkward. And so to do that, she said, well, what were you doing behind there? And so I said, well, I was just kind of hanging out there, but you know, Jared said some great things about you. And to make it even more awkward, she said, well, really, what did he say? And so, so I had to explain a little bit more of, of, of that. So as we're talking, though, another um, kind of like the, the cool kid of the campus, you know, all the girls had a crush on him. He was somewhat famous. He walks up and he walks and he walks right in front of me. Now, I'm sure he's a great guy and probably didn't mean to do this, but he walked right in front of me so that he could face and talk to Brittany. Now, I, I find out later that they were actually casually dating. Um, and so he walks in front of me and then he picks her up in a big hug, spins her around and places her back in front of me to where my eyes are looking at the back of her head. Oh, so wow. it's like this, the craziest awkward moment. And so I sat there for a few seconds and then finally I was like, well, I guess I'm done. So I just turned away and walked. And as I was walking away, her friend came up and said, Joe, I know that looks really bad and awkward. I promise you, she wants to go out with you. Please call her. So I ended up getting her number. I called her that night and I said, hey, this is Joe from that awkward moment in the hall. Uh, and we ended up going and having the most incredible day. And then from that time forward, we pretty much went out every single night. And, and uh, soon after we were married, it was a wonderful time. 
Oh, that's an awesome, amazing story. You know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting and funny. So we we spend our time uh, as uh, missionaries for the church, where we have to you know leave our comfort zone and and talk to total strangers about the gospel and about our church and about Jesus Christ. And for for those who serve foreign, you have to learn a completely different language. You know, we we obviously struggled with Portuguese, but we got it. And I guess it almost in a way, as as you become so accustomed to it, it's like second nature. Like it's just like you don't even have. It's almost as easy as breathing talking to a random stranger but yet when we come home from our missions we have like the, the hardest time like asking out a girl something so simple like that yeah well this is what's interesting too because as a missionary although i i had a burning desire to share our message mm-hmm. i'm still a very strong preference towards introversion mm-hmm. and so for me even going out and talking to people that was extremely hard so it never got easy to me per se because i had a challenge of myself every day even just to go open my mouth especially in another language when, when it was hard to be able to do that. So I, I think it's helpful for people to know too, that you can grow and you can progress, but, but you still are going to go through different challenges and everyone has different challenges. And that was one of mine is coming out of my shell and learning how to talk to people and how to have a relationship. But you're totally right. Uh, that all went out the window when it came to a cute girl. but uh, we all grow up and then we all get to you know great stages of our lives where we have kids and we have our careers which is where we're all at now but uh, I I was so fascinated and curious and just to hear that you and your family decided to move to Switzerland so if you could share about that experience like what was uh, what lead led you to to move your family halfway across the the globe and uh, what was your experience like in Switzerland yeah so part of it actually started with Brazil you know, going to another country is such an eye-opening experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I went from uh, having in the United States, we have so much. Like, I, even though we we had times with that that were maybe tough, you have food, you have shelter, you have safety, and so to go to a country where I remember my very first week, I would walk down the the street, uh, of course, a dirt street, not paved and road, and I would see hut after hut after hut, and I remember looking out, and I had you know, these young children that were outside bathing because their, their parents weren't there. And then I go to the end of the, the hall or the street and I'd see all the dads at the pub drunk. And I remember thinking, man, just what a difference of this experience of these children, what, what they're going through and, and how they don't even know where they're going to get their meal the next day. Um, and so I think there's, there's a compassion and there's a, an empathy that comes when you're able to see how somebody else lives. And, and these people were so happy and and lovely. And, and so some of those men, I would see after we kind of taught them and, and coached them and helped them completely change their lives and, and grow up to be a great men in the community, a great husbands and fathers. And, and so it was really, really attractive from that standpoint to be able to see it. So I wanted my kids to experience something like that, where they realize that the world doesn't revolve around the United States. Um, and so we looked at going into Europe or other different places and Switzerland is just a beautiful safe, wonderful place. And so the opportunity came with my work. I worked in HR uh, to be able to go and help one of the business units there. And so we jumped on it and it was in the French speaking part of of Switzerland. So Switzerland really is divided into several different languages and cultures, if you will. You have a French one down more towards the Southern where we were at off of Lake Geneva. Then you have an Italian one and a German one. And so when they got there, I remember the first month or two, remember they don't speak the language. And they had people that were, were mean to them. So it was the first time in their life where, where they realized what it's like to not have friends or to not be able to communicate and, and to be picked on um, just because they were American. And, and although that was very challenging, 
those are experiences that change you to where when we got back or even from that time forward and there was a, a someone kind of sitting alone or there was somebody that that uh, was being picked on my kids felt that firsthand and they would go and, and stand up for that person or they would go and say hi or so it's those type of experiences that we wanted to to get in and also it was kind of funny where when you, we went there we're like hey you know we're american and they're like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry you're american which is completely different than brazil it was like oh i'd love to go to america so it's just a yeah. different dynamic that was really intriguing to us mm -hmm. Uh, I got to see uh, the videos that you had posted while you were there, which was really cool. I mean, you can I can attest from just the videos that you guys posted that it is a really beautiful country. Like there was the video of uh, you and your wife going down the the luge, right? The the, the yeah. side, which looked really fun. I guess you guys recorded it with a GoPro. Is that right? Yeah, or, or an, even an iPhone. We're we're not as technology <laughs> technology advanced as everyone else, but yeah, we. We had so much. It's beautiful. It's I recommend Switzerland to everyone, whether you live there or you're just visiting. The people are amazing. It was a great experience. Awesome. Very good. Very good. So I guess for the a cultural question that kind of have for for both countries. So what was your favorite uh, like uh, thing to do or food to eat from both countries, from both Brazil and Switzerland? Brazil, I love the beans and rice and I, we have them every single day, but I grew to just love it because you would be full and it was delicious. Every single person made it a little bit differently and unique mm -hmm. to where I never got sick of it, even though I ate it every single day. And then I also loved uh, creme de maracujá. I think it's a cream of passion fruit. Yeah, That was kind of my, my favorite. In fact, after I had it one time, I spent my entire month money making it and so two weeks into it I, I was out of money because the cream jimaracuja was everything that i ate so that was kind of my favorite there in switzerland and uh, i apologize to my swiss peeps it, the food wasn't my favorite to be super honest uh, it's more of kind of french cuisine and i'm more of a simpleton of you know give me just something simple that tastes good a good cheeseburger yeah um, but i would say one of my favorite things were we'd go to these these local places and they would have the shaved off meat that they would put into like a tortilla. And uh, so they called it a taco, but it's not like the taco how we know it. Uh, those were probably my favorite little, little treats. Oh, awesome. Very cool. I'm so sorry that we're so short on time. Uh, is there any other last minute things you wanted to bring up with either uh, missionary work with Switzerland, with uh, your, your marriage to Brittany, your kids, anything else that you wanted to bring up last minute? There's a million things, and I wanted to hear more about you, Albert. I, I know with this podcast, it was, it was kind of centered on me, which I don't like. So we'll have to do another time where I can catch up with you. I want to hear the latest of what's going on with you and, and all of that type of stuff. But we can do that offline. Oh, OK. Yeah, well, this may be a, a, a shameless uh, self-promotion on my part. But I mean, I've recorded episodes with my wife talking about our infertility problems that we've gone through, uh, the IVF procedures oh, that we went to to have our daughter Avery and the adoption of our, our son, Liam. So if you have a good chance to check out some of the episodes I've done, you can kind of get a feel of like what's been going on with me the past uh, 20 years. I'm going to grab a, a box of popcorn and, and we're going <laughs> to hit out some of those uh, Albert profiles. I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I definitely want to touch base with you again when we have more time. Uh, thank you for, again, making the time for me just uh, the chat, even if it was just for a little bit. It was so great. I'm looking forward to getting the chat with you again, Joe. Hey, Albert, I really appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk to you again. And like I said, I'll, I'll watch some of those, but then I want to I regroup outside of a podcast, of course. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. How you're doing? Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Joe. You've That's been this good talking to you, man. Podcast. Thanks, everyone.